That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, it is the Sunday coming up for the third Sunday after the Epiphany. In my head, the middle schooler just said third Sunday after the Epiphany. Um, I keep trying to get that guy to go back into, um, I don't know, to disappear forever, but he, he won't. Nope. Maybe because I nope. have um, teenagers in my house. Um, anyways, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a dad joke. I'm allowed to I'm allowed to do it. But dad to dad, Jake, how are you? I'm well, you know, hanging in there. And so... Uh... Moving right along, the new year is uh, the new year is is new, and uh, that's about all I can say. <laughs> that was you answered my question three ways, none of which told me how you're actually doing. One, moving right I'm, along. Mm-hmm. Two, what was the thing you said? Hanging in there, and three, and then the new year. The new year's I, I'm aware so, of all. Or, the, in, yeah. or in other words, I'm fine. Yes. I'm just fine. Feelings inside not expressed. That's right. No, everything's great. We're in the midst of a transition here, but. Uh, when are we not, Aaron? When, are we, when not? are we not in transition? We're 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 constantly the caterpillars. Yes. Going into a cocoon, going into a cocoon. I don't know if we'll ever be butterflies, but well, in the resurrection from the dead, we will. So you're a butterfly of joy and a ray of sunshine in my life, Jake. Mm. So this is... I, I, listeners, this is what we theologically call imputation. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Speaking to something that's not there. So, but no, it's good. It's good. And how are you, Aaron? I'm Waco. I'm, you know, Jake. I'm hanging in there. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just you can do. doing the best that I can. No, I'm, I'm doing well. It's sunny. Somebody actually told. It's, somebody told me the other day they were hanging in there, and I was like, why don't you let go? <laughs> that's right. Let just that last little finger slip. Uh, it's. Uh, I will say it is. Uh, 78 degrees in Waco, Texas in this mid-January day. So uh, I can feel the air conditioning <laughs> coming wrong. out of my office. Nothing's wrong. But wherever you, yeah, wherever you are, listeners, uh, we pray for our Californian brothers and sisters who are dealing mm. with all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, mm. a, lot, a lot of things going on in the world. But uh, as you say, um, and we're going to talk about, we preach Christ and Him crucified week in, week out. And man, it... Uh, it actually is the balm mm. in Gilead for the sin-sick soul. So we're going to help you preachers today uh, as you prepare for uh, your sermon, which you will, Lord willing, be preaching on January 22nd, this third Sunday after the Epiphany. And we continue the same kind of themes of Epiphany, that Jesus is for everybody, um, not just for the people of Israel, which is kind of the big inside right. of, of this season of Epiphany or Revealing. So, uh, and more importantly, this year, I mean, and especially today's readings, we see that he's for people who um, aren't sitting with the lights on, uh, you know, waiting for him to come back. But uh, he's for, and he's coming for, uh, people who were sitting in the darkness, uh, lights out. That's who. That's who our Jesus, yeah. our Messiah, is interested in, and to help us articulate that. And it's a strange message, a foolish message. Um, 
Uh, we are going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, and then finally Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. And so we come to uh, this particular passage um, uh, that's filled with a lot of exciting history, actually, that provides the backstory, and, um, and, uh, but really kind of uh, hits on what the Messiah is all about. Yeah, so we begin with this passage, uh, one of these many prophecies in the book of Isaiah uh, about what is coming. Mm. And, you know, we have been going through some of the later uh, chapters, the parts that have been about mm. this servant uh, in chapter 42 and 49, this messianic figure. Uh, this is much earlier in the book of Isaiah, but it is talking about kind of a, a time of restoration uh, and the thing to to kind of key on here, or at least to, to file away for later use, is this reference to Zebulun and Naphtali, these places that will occur in the um, uh, uh, the gospel reading for today, or for this Sunday. But these are Gentile regions, and so it's, that's where he specifically says, in the latter time he'll make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Uh, and so... Um, uh, it, it's talking about like, what we've said already, the epiphanies this time that Jesus is for everybody. I think, you know, if I were preaching this passage, it would be about God and his grace saving you even when you don't deserve it and maybe are not even looking for it. This image of those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Uh, it, this is... Um, they did not make the light happen. They did not earn the light. They were just living in darkness, and light shined upon them. This is what God mm. does. And and this then, of course, this great picture of joy. If you, if you think about um, winning the lottery or something like that, like uh, oppression ending, freedom, uh, the cancer is in remission, uh, you were able to conceive after str struggling with infertility for a long time. Anything that you feel like an amazing thing has happened, this is a great, great thing. There is a reference to the Day of Midian. That's a big battle um, that uh, uh, um, took place uh, when the people of Israel were able to, to defeat... Um, uh, the, Israel's foes. Um, Gideon had the, the kind of this pitifully uh, small uh, army, not even an army, but uh, they kind of yeah. tricked the Midianites with clay pots and torches, made a lot of noise and a lot of sound and a lot of light and, and um, was able to defeat the Midianites. So anyways, that's, that's, it's, it was a time when like you were totally outnumbered and oppressed and you thought you were just a goner, a lost cause. And it turns out God saved you yeah. anyways. And so imagine how excited, how happy you'd be. This is the kind of joy that's in this passage of uh, Isaiah 9 about God rescuing people in darkness. Yeah, and that's why if you're going to really preach on this particular text, you've got to hit on the history and what's actually happening there, I think, to, to make your sermon uh, rich. And if you remember, it's dealing with King Ahaz. And, um, and uh, you know, a couple of chapters back, you know, it was like, ask for a sign, and King Ahaz was like, oh, no, never me, you know, and so this is uh, the next chapter. And basically what happened was, is at this time, is that Israel and Syria had made an alliance, and they were going to come down and uh, slam Judah. And uh, Ahaz, out of fear, even though Isaiah's like, hey, trust in God, God will take care of you, he establishes a relationship with Assyria. 
And uh, the emperor at the time, who has my favorite name, uh, Tigleth Pileser, not to be confused with Tigleth Pilsner, uh, which is delicious beer. But anyway, um, he uh, he smoked Syria and uh, Israel and uh, made Judah eventually like basically a vassal state that he milked till it went bankrupt. And so, but uh, Naft- uh, Zebulun and Naphtali were in Israel, and these were the first places along the sea that got hit with the wrath of Tiglath-Pileser. And so when they talk about sitting in the land of deep darkness, I mean, it is, uh, I've come and I've burned, talking scorched earth, salted fields. This is awful. And so, um, and uh, and, uh, yet this is the first place. um, And yeah, and so the reference to Midian, this little army, you know, well, we're gonna break it like the days of Midian. Now, can you imagine Ahaz hearing that for a second? And being, you know, hearing the prophet, I are you kidding me? That's Assyria up there. And you're saying we're going to, it'll be broken like the days of, like this is, this is, no, it's lights out. It is, picture Libya. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what we're talking about. And, um, and this is the place where God's light is going to shine. And uh, this is the point, I think, one, you have to tie this into, um, into the gospel. But those provinces which first suffered, uh, under the reign of darkness that came with Tiglath-Pileser's victories would become the first places to see the great light of the Messiah. And uh, this is the places that you think in your life, the situations, your drug addict kid, your marriage, uh, whatever it is, you know, the resolutions that have failed and you thought this year was going to be different. It's these places, I think, that oftentimes, by God's grace, we're enabled to press into and, uh, and actually discover that that is where God is actually at work. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where, like, yeah. do, like the disciples, do you not care, Lord, that our boiler just got a crack? Do you not care? And God is like, actually, Jake, shut up. I'm at work in those <laughs> places, too. You know what I mean? And that's where, like, the light is shining. And... Uh, and man, uh, oftentimes when I'm at my most anxious, when I'm at my most needy, is when I'm on the throne. And uh, it is those moments when, by his grace, he can get me out of the way, um, and he's on the throne, that I actually see that uh, God, there, there is a light shining in those dark regions. And so, and I mean, it wasn't much brighter when Jesus showed up, because, uh, you know, Canaan uh, was, a, well, it was a hotbed of all sorts of types of rebellions and funky worship. And so the point there is that it's these places that we think just uh, are irredeemable. Uh, oftentimes are the first places that the dawn breaks forth on when by the eyes of faith we're given yep. the ability to see it. Amen. Well, uh, then we move on now to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we read last week kind of the opening of this passage. And now, and we, one of the things we said last week is that Paul talks uh, about how wonderful the, the Corinthians are, not, well, not how wonderful they are, but like what they've been given. They are sanctified. They are part of the 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 family, uh, part of the church. In, they're in Christ, and they've been blessed and strengthened and given all these spiritual gifts. So you're getting ready to think that you're, Paul's going to talk about some amazing group of really perfect Christians, but then he gets to his appeal, mm-hmm. which is to stop being uh, <laughs> the um, the kids in the back in the minivan on the cross-country road trip. Um, stop squabbling, fighting, and mm-hmm. arguing with each other about who's leg touched whose knee and when are we going to stop and you uh uh you know stole my toy whatever they're 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 
squabbling. They're they're fighting. They're they're dividing. They're creating my camp versus your camp and all that. So we learn that there's a little bit of um, uh, there's some tea to be spilled here in Corinth. That Chloe has let Paul know what's going on. That there's these quarrels, and the quarrels, the ways they've divided is about which pastor is the best pastor and who who do they follow. So I belong to Paul versus Apollos versus Cephas or Christ and. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Aaron, are you St. Albans, Waco, or are you Calvary St. <laughs> George's in uh, a little island called Manhattan? So, uh, Paul, you know, if Paul were less of a um, really uh, amazing Christian person with a focus on the gospel, he might say, you know, Apollos and Cephas are not good, so yeah, you should all belong to me, Paul. But Paul notes that you know, all these ministers are different and we all have different gifts. And really the, the main thing is that we all follow Christ. And that's why Paul says when he preached among them, he um, did so um, uh, just to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus, uh, not with eloquent wisdom, but um, just to proclaim the gospel so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. So what would you say about this, Jake? Would you cast yeah. some shade on some other preachers in, well, in no. Manhattan? <laughs> I always do. No, I'm just kidding. But um, um, uh, the I think that the very powerful. Uh, the, I mean, this is this is actually what happens. I think when um, I when 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 the cross of Christ is not central uh, to a message and to a church is that it quickly becomes about personalities and power and all of these things. So this is a very common thing that happened. And happens still today in churches, you know. Um, uh, you know, I've heard of places where they would call the church and be like, hey, is so-and-so preaching this Sunday? And they were like, no. And then nobody would show up, you know what I mean? And so um, uh, it can quickly become about personality. And, um, and I love that line where he says, you know, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. Uh, except for Crispus Gaius and that whole household of Stephanus. Beyond that, uh, you know, there might have been a except few Except for the people. 20 people I baptized, Bible. I didn't baptize anyone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he says, you know, the point here is not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. And this is like a critique of what was going on there at the time, the sophists. And they loved to, uh, you know, and even the preachers. And what happens is, is that when the cross becomes about all of this eloquent wisdom, and all, the cross becomes like a, a proposition uh, for you to decide whether it works for you or not. And uh, that puts the power in your hands. The cross is not, and when we talk about the cross, remember we're talking about the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Uh, this act of God is not a proposition for you to kind of figure out. This is a declaration from God about who you are and what God yeah. has done for you. And, uh, you know, and that is, you know, so often we preach the cross today with zilcho power. We preach it as like invitation. You know, would you like to choose Jesus or not? We're all on some sort of journey, blah, 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 you know. And it's like, no, that's not, you know, or, you know, talking about the latest things in the New York Times. That's not what this is about. This is a declaration of what God has declared for you. And so when it comes, it doesn't necessarily come because a Nazarene was crucified, made the claim to be God and was crucified for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. Well, that, that's crazy talk. 
but it, when it's pre preached as a declaration, not a proposition, then it comes with the power of God, and it's going to be foolish to everybody who thinks that they still have power in their hands, and God owes them something or is waiting for them to make a decision. But to those that, man, are in the darkness, it, like a bulldozer, comes right in as the light and as the power of God unto salvation. So more so than what to preach, I think this, this is an encouragement to preachers about your vocation and your call. And uh, when touched with the Holy Spirit, um, the, the important call that you have in the, in the, in the pulpit uh, to deliver in some sort of crazy way with words, the power of God unto salvation, to transfer people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And with that, I mean, I can't say anything to improve upon that. And so seriously though, I just, I just wanna say, see that as your job. When you get up there, you're not just talking to people, you know, and giving them nice antidotes. You, if you, if, if you are, if you are doing this correctly, and there's a correct way to do this, uh, you are handling high octane Holy Spirit stuff, not a proposition, and you just drop that bomb right in your congregation every Sunday, and to know that it comes with power yeah, and authority. If, if people don't Sealed leave your church knowing that they are forgiven, if you've added a PS to your sermon, yep. um, and you've moved beyond that, yeah, let us a now go, let us now be the hands and feet of Christ. Just tell them that God loves them and has forgiven them, and just finish your sermon. They already know they're supposed to not be jerks to people. Um, and you telling them mm. not to do it won't actually impact them. But tell them they're loved and forgiven. Try it. See what happens. Just, mm. you know, humor me. Humor mm. Jake. Let's get crazy. Okay. So Matthew chapter 4. Yeah. Uh, when Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptizer, I always tell people, make sure you tell, if you preach on this, make sure you tell them which John that you're talking about. Because there's so many Johns in the New Testament. Um, and I always say John the Baptizer because so many people just think Baptist is a denomination. And they'll, they'll hear you say John the Baptist. And I'm like, see, Protestants are in the New Testament. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, Jesus goes to Galilee. Um, he makes his sea in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of where? Well, we heard about it in Isaiah, Zebulun and Naphtali. So with, in that sort of Gentile region. And, and then Matthew quotes this passage that we just heard. And Jesus begins his ministry saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has, has come near. Uh, so this is Jesus now kind of stepping into his ministry post his baptism and he starts calling people on his team and we get the calling of simon and peter and andrew and then james and john the sons of zebedee aka the sons of thunder the only wwe uh, members in uh, the gospels um and uh, <laughs> such a great it's name true. if you and i ever are in wwe jake we are the sons of thunder that's uh, yeah that's right well we're some high-waisted spandex briefs out. Um, yeah. So yeah, they 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 follow <laughs> Jesus, and uh, there's a lot of ways people will try to preach this. And um, uh, as we've talked before in this in this season of Epiphany, there's a lot of this evangelism uh, stuff and calling of people into ministry. And um, I would tell preachers like I did last time when we talked about. Um, Philip and Nathaniel and their their calling experience of Jesus to not make this primarily about um, telling your congregation to go out and evangelize. Um, f first, make them know that they are um, people to whom the gospel comes themselves. Um, and 
this is happening with Simon, with Andrew, all these folks who are not, um, they have not, this is, they've not won a beauty pageant here. They've not, uh, they've not been um, hired in the very select group of people who are going to work um, for Goldman Sachs. They're, they are not, uh, th- these are people who, they have not earned any of this. They've not worked for it. They're just called in a ministry. This is another thing that, the, how the gospel looks. Mm-hmm. Jesus is calling unqualified people who don't have their act together to be on his team. And that's going to be the whole thing that, that uh, he'll show throughout his ministry. And he goes on to do it, as it says, curing every disease and every sickness among the people, and, of course, uh, proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. So, Jake, if you were preaching this, uh, anything you would want to add to that? I'm sure you have lots of good good nuggets for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, so, you know, it is... Interesting, uh, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. It hadn't been called that in years. It would be like referring to um, New York mm-hmm. today as New Amsterdam. You know, Jesus came along New Amsterdam and people would be like, what are you talking about? That's the old name. And so, uh, but he does that, Matthew does that because and Matthew is constantly trying to make the connection that Jesus was never God's plan B. He was always plan A right from the beginning. And so this is why, so that what might be spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled, you know. And here he is, this light uh, dawning upon uh, upon the uh, upon the um, upon the Gentiles, because uh, Galilee was loaded with Gentiles. And so, um, the other thing I think, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about what it is to be a fishers of men or a fishers of people, I mean, what it really means is is that you actually care about people, and uh, you're a person who. Um, cares about folks. Um, and uh, the the good news of the kingdom is that God's presence, what that means in the Old Testament time was is that mm-hmm. the king was present. And so uh, that's what's going on here. And um, and so, and the other thing too, I wanna, I think it'd be important to clear up, don't get caught in this, but the gospel is not repent and believe. That's not the gospel. Uh, that is the response to the gospel. Uh, the gospel is what you need. Jesus is saving work in order to repent and believe. And how does he do that? Well, he does that by making fishers of people. And this is an important analogy because uh, the way they fished, we're not talking about rod and line, like rod and reel here. Mm. We're talking about nets, net fishing. And so they would chuck that those nets out and what would they do they would sink to the bottom and then you'd pull them out really quick so from the bottom up and i think this is a very beautiful illustration of how god still fishes for people today Um, he it's from the bottom up from a word preached this is how he hooks people with the gospel telling people that they are known more than they know themselves by god and loved and forgiven in christ jesus Um, deeply. You know, it comes from the bottom up, water and baptism. It comes from the bottom up, ordinary old bread and wine. But these are the means by which God uh, nets people through uh, folks that he has called as fishers of people to bring them up under the sea and uh, that fish come from everywhere. And so, and, uh, and then he continues to go out and fish with the good news of the kingdom and demonstrating that demonstrating that it's what coming out of his mouth is valid. He cures every disease and every sickness among the people. It's That's another thing that people want to do is like, oh, well, we should be doing this too. And, you know, healing's all over the place. And healing does exist and does take place. But what's going on right here, this isn't a specific teaching on healing. What this is is the healing of every disease and sickness is confirmation that the gospel that's coming out of Jesus' mouth is true. Yeah. 
It is true. And I think uh, the other thing, um, just to, to add to this, um, the verse, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, just in line with what you said, Jake, that that's not the gospel, that is the fruit of the gospel. Um, it, one way you could hear it as the gospel, and I think both these things are true. I'm not trying to undermine or, or correct anything that you said because I 100% agree with what you said. But one of the things uh, that I always hear when I look at this is because people do hear it as law. Um, the one way that I often think of it, however, because there are often things that can sound like law or sound like gospel. It's the same words, but sometimes it changes how you receive it. The repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repenting from a legalistic, moralistic, law-based, works-based kind of approach to the faith and come to an understanding that light has dawned on the people who are in darkness, whether you deserved it or not or earned it or not. So uh, repent from um, from that way of trusting in yourself as opposed to trusting in God. I, and I, I do hear in that this phrase, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, uh, it's gospel-y to me in that it's this idea that um, you didn't seek it, deserve it, ask for it, or even think you wanted it, but it has come near to you no matter what. Um, and this is the, the power of the incarnation, mm -hmm. which sort of epiphany kind of builds on that uh, whole thing. So do you feel threatened or undermined by what I said, Jake? No, no. And I think that, you know, the, the very, the kingdom of heaven has come near is, uh, is yeah. Jesus's very present presence. So it's come near. So, I mean, it'd almost be better, like if it was said, the kingdom of heaven has come right. near, repent. Yes. But, um, yeah. <laughs> hey, who am I? So, uh, and, uh, um, uh, but that's what's going yeah. on there. You repent because right. the kingdom of God has come near you. Uh, it's not, I repent and now it's come yeah, near yeah. And that's the, the way it's The kingdom of heaven has come understood. near, and so repent from trying to draw the kingdom down to you because it's already arrived. Um, so, powerful passages. Proclaim the gospel, folks. Uh, tell them where Zebulun and Naphtali are or what it means that that uh, the gospel come to these places, uh, to New Amsterdam and all that sort of stuff. And uh, um, keep you should set a Google alert for WWE Sons of Thunder, Jacob Smith and Aaron Zimmerman so you can be the first to know when we have uh, transitioned in our careers to that new phase. That's right. That's right. I think both of us can, uh, you know, yeah, that, that'd be an amazing <laughs> second career. I'm going to go out buy some whey protein right now. Yeah, and I'm going to go watch um, uh, um, Nacho Libre and get inspired. So anyway. The brothers think I don't know a crap load of stuff about the Gospels, but I do. Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.